Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. Today, Pastor Ralph brings a message entitled, When Prayers Are Answered. We're in Genesis chapter 21. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. We're talking about faith that keeps on growing. Uh, it's, this, it's the life of this man named Abraham in the Bible, who God called and, and, and promised to bless, and then took his time blessing him. God met Abraham at the point of greatest need in his life. That's what he always does. If your need is to get free from drugs, if your need is to find love in an uncaring world, whatever it is, where God will meet you is the place where you are hurting. Because that's what's going to cement the relationship between you and he. Abraham had no children. He lived in a culture where if you had no children, people thought there was something very evil or something very wrong in your life. Uh, he had no heirs. He'd become a fairly wealthy individual. God blessed him even further, we see in his life. But uh, big deal to have a kid. And the Lord speaks to him and says, I'm going to meet your need. That's the starting place. What you need, I got. I want to meet your need. The second thing the Lord says is, I'm going to go beyond your need. I'm going to not only give you a son, I'm going to give you a nation of people uh, through that son. And, and in doing so, I'm going to make your name great. People will respect you. They'll look up to you. And the third thing he says is, I'm going to give you land so that you've got a place to hatch all these chickens, you know. And uh, so uh, the promises are there. The, the, the promises are made. And we go 25 years before the promise is kept. And you go, why? You know, you can't help but read the story of Abraham and go, why is this? God... Why didn't you do this sooner? And, and you know what? The Bible never gives you an answer. There's just, there's just not one anywhere. But I've come to believe in the timing of God. And the scripture that we're going to read tonight is going to say to us that exactly at the right time, God gave him the son. Exactly at the right time, God answered the prayer. God kept the promise at exactly the right time. You know, I have a friend that I've, I've known for, oh gosh, so, so long. I... I was probably 19 years old when I met this man. He's probably 15 years older than I am, uh, which probably when I was 19 made him, what, like an old 34 or something. And um, um, when I was about 22 years old, uh, he, he, he brought me into a business venture. And it was really a stupid thing this guy did. He, he got conned, and so I got conned right along with him. He was trying to bless me and bless some other young people that were just starting out in life. I'd always worked ever since I was a kid. I started out eight years old, you know, mowing lawns and raking leaves in the street and always just trying to save it and do stuff with it. And, and so now I'm like 20, 21 years old and I've got quite a bit of money saved up and I've got a life that I want to live. And my friend comes to me and says, you want to invest in this deal? It's this wonderful product that you spray on your lawn and it'll make your lawn turn really green, but it'll freeze it so it won't grow. <laughs> They had all this scientific data, supposedly, to back this up. And this investment was supposed to net 17% interest uh, over a couple of years or whatever. I don't know what it was. And he put a lot of money in it. And I put what was, to me, a lot, but it wasn't very much. But to me, it was huge into this thing. And uh, very quickly, we all found out we all had been taken to the cleaners. That was the end of that. But my friend said, I'll make good on the promise I made to you. And there were several of us, people in my situation, that he had brought into this thing, trying to do us all a favor. And then enough time went by that I thought, this is never going to happen. I won't see the money. And I know he got kirked as well as I got kirked, so I don't feel any harsh feelings toward him or whatever. I'm, I'm just sorry that it happened, and I gave up. And then 
I ran out of money. I went out and planted a church, and, and we were our denomination, which is pretty strong financially now, was very poor then, and they had really nothing to give to us. And, and so uh, it cost a lot of money to start a church. We took all that, that my wife and I had saved and invested every bit of our money in the church uh, down to the place that we were broke. And we were broke on a Monday. It was a, a, a Monday that we went to the bank and closed the, the savings account, put all the money in the checking account, uh, paid the bills, and we had nothing left. Account was empty. I remember that night laying on a bed. I, I had been working. I was editing something for some people, and I was uh, I, I was tired. I was weary, and I was feeling very bad, very much like, "Where's God when you need Him?" You know, you ever been there? And uh, the Lord spoke to my heart, that little quiet voice you hear in your head that you know isn't you, and and said, "I, I there's a, there's a, the old King James version of the Bible." Paul says, I've learned to abase, which means to be without. And I've learned to abound, which means to have plenty. And the, the Lord spoke to me and said, I've taught you to abase, now I'm going to teach you to abound. That was Monday. And on Wednesday, I went off to do some favor for somebody, and I came home. My wife is standing on the balcony of the apartment, and she goes, guess what? And I go, how much? I knew that the Lord had come through with some money. And there were two checks that were in the mail that day at our house and I went to the church office that afternoon and there was a third. Now, do you believe in that God had something to do with all of those checks coming that day? It was the right time in our life. Not only the right time because we were broke and we needed the money, but it was the right time for God to sort of underscore His presence by making three checks come on one day. It wasn't like one came one week, another came four days later, another came ten days after that. They all came bang on one day. And, and it was a very considerable amount of money. And one of the checks was my friend, who I'd gone in the deal with before, paying us back the money that he had taken from us at 17% interest per year for the time that he had the money. And I would say that my friend kept his promise to me at exactly the right time, right? But he could not know in any way what the right time was. He just, you know, wrote the check, licked the, the envelope, and put the thing in the mail. He didn't know. God knew it was the right time. God keeps his promises, and he keeps them at the right time in your life. Does this make sense to you? Now, this is, this is not really, this is part of the message, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to spend a little extra time on this. I'm, I'm actually talking about one line in the Bible. In fact, if you've got your Bible open, it says in verse 21, the first phrase of it, chapter 21, the Lord did exactly what he had promised. And I'm going, he did it exactly at the right time. He did exactly what he promised. And I think he does it at the right time in our lives. There's a scripture in Habakkuk. It's chapter 2, verse 3. You could just write it down. We won't even look at it. But it says the vision, the thing that God put in your mind, is for the appointed time. It'll hasten. It'll come to you. It won't delay. The thing God said he'll do, he'll do at the right time. And once you come to a place where you understand and that, and the only way that I think you can understand it is this, and really pay attention to this. This is not in the notes. This is not the stuff I wrote in the net. I just, this is what I think the Lord's trying to tell me to tell you right now. There's really, the, the, the way that you can come to where your faith is really solidly growing in the Lord is first to understand the promises that are in this book, which means you've you got to spend enough time getting in it 
and enough time like marking it up and going back over those favorite passages and those promises that God's made that they become your promises. Your promises in that, they're in the back of your brain so God can at the time he wants to kind of call them up to your memory. But they're also, you're familiar with them enough that the Lord, you're reading it someday and you're going through a problem. This happened to me yesterday. I'm reading a scripture thinking about a problem in my life and I, I'm going, I never saw that in the Bible before. You know. Oh my gosh. It speaks exactly to what I'm going through. And so I reflect the scripture back to the Lord because I actually think the Lord led me to it and the Lord's trying to, you know, it's not quite like it looks like it's in flashing neon lights on the page, but it's almost. He's trying to say, hey, buddy, this is for you. This is the kind of stuff I do. Hang on to this. This is my promise to you. So first, you've got to get there to where you are getting familiar with the Scripture. This is why we need to be in mini church. This is why I'm putting those extra notes on the, on the Internet so you can go home and look up all the stuff from the message and dig in the Scriptures a little deeper on your own. And, 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 and you begin to just get a hold of the Word. But then the other thing is, as you begin to apply God's promises in your life, or He applies them in your life, then you've got to live some time. There's no other way than this. Is you, you, you live enough time walking with the Lord. Remember, remember we read a couple of weeks ago, the Lord says, walk with me and become complete. So you've got to walk with the Lord. And as you're walking with God, and He begins to transform you and change you, or He, he, he answers in some miraculous way the need in your life, or the promise that He made you. The kind of thing I'm telling you about, you know, I, I have a lot of faith over finances because I went through that three days in my life from that Monday to that Wednesday so many years ago. And when you've come to the place where you, 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 you've proven your relationship with God, you've tested Him, you begin to know, I really can trust in the Lord. I really can get through this because of God. Now you got something. Now you really have something that's a living faith that's birthed inside of you. Does that make sense? Remember that book that I was talking about not too long ago, Who I Am in Christ? talks about, here's what the Lord invested in you. Here's what the Lord made available to you. Here's what the Lord has set out when you, were, when you became a Christian. Here's what inheritance is yours. This thing that I thought owned me, it really doesn't own me. It's just a habit. It's, that, it's the, the power in knowing God, knowing His Word, knowing His promises, and, and ultimately, experientially, I think, finding out that He keeps His promises. Uh, and to do that, you've got to hang out with Him for a while. Am I getting anywhere? Well, it talks about uh, somebody being blessed as promised in these first few verses of the chapter. It says, The Lord did exactly what He had promised. And I give you the scripture in Habakkuk 2, 3, which says He does it exactly as His timing. And it says, Sarah became pregnant and she gave a son to Abraham in his old age. Well, it wasn't just his old age. It was her old age too. The Bible says she was 89 years old when she got pregnant. Do the math. She's 90 when the baby comes. And so it says she gave a baby to Abraham in his old age. It happened at the time God had said it would. A year before, God had come and said, this time next year your wife will have a baby. He didn't say nine months from now. He said 12 months from now. So there's God always making you kind of go, is this real or what? And, uh, and it's real. And it says, eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. We read in Genesis chapter 17 about circumcision. The Lord said, this is your part of the contract. I do my part. I do all the heavy lifting. You do your part. You circumcise the male children in your family. And if you'll do that as a signification of your walking with me, a memorial unto me, then I'll do the rest of the stuff. And we talked, and I want to just sort of lay it in here real quick right now, about getting baptized. The Lord doesn't make us go cut ourselves 
in this day and age, but he, he asks us to be baptized. And you get baptized as a statement of, of your having committed your life to Christ. And I think it's a spiritual statement to the spiritual powers. God, I belong to you, and I'm saying so. I'm identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. Satan, get out of here because I'm cutting you off uh, because Jesus won the, the victory on that cross. And I think we need to take a lesson here from Abraham. And when God does his stuff, he will do the heavyweight stuff. All he asks us to do is to go through stages of, of embracing him and identifying with him. And, and that's what he's given us that for. It goes on and says, Abraham was 100 years old at the time. Verse 6, Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me, for who would have dreamed that I would ever have a baby? And yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. Remember, Abraham laughed at God when God said, Hey, it's still going to happen. I'm going to keep the promise. 24 years after I made it, a year from now I'm going to keep it. You're going to have a baby. And Abraham's rolling on the dirt laughing at God. And God says, Name the kid laughter. Name him Isaac. It means laughter. And then Sarah is, is, is confronted by the angel, and she's over there hearing the story about God's going to finally come through and bless. And she's over there going, I'm going to have pleasure in my old age. And she comes out of the tent, and the angel says, Why would you laugh? I never laughed. You did too. But it's going to happen next year. And here she is, and, she's, and now she's kind of getting it that God's even got a sense of humor. She's laughing at the birth of the baby and going on, Oh, God would give me laughter. And, of course, they named the son Laughter. I like it what she says, who would have dreamed that I would ever have this baby? Sometimes you go through this deal and this walk of faith where you, you start out trusting God and you're believing and you're all amped. And then time drags on and then you start to doubt it yourself. You know, you went around and told your mom and your cousin and whoever else, hey, the Lord's going to do this, the Lord's going to do that. And then you start going, I hope. And then you start going, oh, no way. And then you start making up little rationalizations. It's okay, God. Yeah, it's okay. You don't have to be true to your word. You know, you go through the whole hippity-hop thing. And then you come to the place where it's like, wow, he did what he said. He did the thing that I thought was impossible. There's a scripture that you might want to write down in your Bible there. And it's in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And it says that God is able to do exceedingly... This is a King James, the old-fashioned way. I like it because it got the exceedingly... The others say exceeding. Exceedingly abundantly. You know, it's like, this. run it down your throat. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we could ask or think. You know, what are you dreaming of? What do you think God's told you? What do you need? Where do you hurt? What are you longing for? Because whatever it is, God is able to do way beyond what it is that you need from Him. And He's willing to go way beyond what it is that you're asking Him. Think about it. Beyond what you could ask or what you could dream up. You know, I can dream up a lot more than I'm willing to ask for. There's a lot of things that I go, oh, whoa, whoa, and I go, no, nah, I wouldn't even pray that. So way beyond what I can ask and way beyond what I can even think, God's willing and God's able to do. And you and I got to learn to trust Him. Well, it goes on. And I, I call this part here, a blessed when we don't deserve it. And I'm talking about uh, this young man, Ishmael, and his relationship with his father, and uh, his stepmother and his now little brother. It says, as time went by, Isaac grew and was weaned, which would take about three years in ancient Israel. Abraham gave a big party to celebrate the happy occasion, but Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham and her Egyptian servant Hagar, making fun of Isaac. Now Galatians chapter 4, verse 29 says, he was persecuting Isaac, and the word persecution would suggest more than making jokes. It would suggest violence, 
and abuse. Ishmael is 14 years older than Isaac, so he's really a young man. He's 17 years old uh, when this deal goes on, and he's giving the little kid a rough time on the kid's kind of coming out party, you know, for the, that they're having this big celebration. It says that she, Sarah, remember she used to be called the dominator, Sarai? She's still got a little of that in her. And she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that servant and her son. He's not going to share the family inheritance with my son Isaac. Notice this. I won't have it. Woo! Heavy duty. But God has other plans. This upset Abraham very much. Now, Abraham long ago had let Sarah kind of push him around. Because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant wife. Do just as Sarah says. For Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Isaac is the one that was the son of the promise, the son of the covenant. And he says, but I will make a nation of descendants for Hagar's son, Ishmael, because he is also your son. He is your son, so I'm going to bless him. And that reminds me of Proverbs chapter 22, verse 16 where the Lord says that um, um, you train up a child in the way that they'll go, or that they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. You know, the blessings of God are there for us and for our children. In Acts chapter 16 or chapter 18, maybe we put it up there, chapter 16, 31, the promise is made to this guy, this jailer in Philippi, uh, what do I have to do to be saved? And he says, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And he says, and your house. Your family will come along with you. The promises of God uh, are going to work in the, in the lives of your family. They're going to work in your children. Sometimes as, as you know, parents, we're, we're sweating and worrying about our kids. If we're faithful to bring them up in the things of the Lord, God's faithful to follow through their life and turn their heart to Him. Sometimes there's a hiatus there. Sometimes there's a time when kids got to go stand on their own and they want nothing to do with mom or dad or God either. But you know what? God doesn't let up on His promises and He's there. And He says, because of you, Abraham, I'm going to bless Ishmael. Now notice, Ishmael is, is, is at least here acting like a punk. It's not like you read anything in the Bible about Ishmael seeking God at all. It's all Abraham reaching out to Ishmael, God reaching out to Ishmael. What I'm trying to get through your head is the faithfulness of God to you will cause him to do good things in the lives of those around you is what the scripture seems to be saying. Verse 14. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food for the journey, strapped a container of water to Hagar's shoulders. He sent her away with their son. She walked into the wilderness of Beersheba. That's where she had been before when she had a hassle with the old lady. And she wandered aimlessly. When the water was gone, she left the boy in the shade of a bush. She went and sat down by herself about 100 yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die. I mean, this is grim and gruesome. I don't want to watch my son die. I'll die on my own, she said as she burst into tears. Then God heard the boy's cry, and the angel of God called to Hagar from the sky. Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy's cries from the place where you laid him. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation of his descendants. Ishmael may not have been very deserving, but God planned to do what he had said he'd do, what he told Abraham he'd do. He'd bless him. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well. And she immediately filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. Did you ever just go through some situation in life where the answer to whatever it was that you needed was laying there right in front of you and you just never saw it? You know, you, you, you go out and you get yourself lost in the woods and, and then you, you sit down for a while and you're all bummed out and you, you wake up and you go, oh, it's right over there where I need to go. It might be a ways away. But suddenly she can see the well that she was unable to see before. 
and she found that she was and, and I sort of think and this is really pushing I'm, this is real spiritualizing things here but I think sometimes it's, it's, it's like that you know God has to open our eyes it's like something's there some solution to the business problem that you're going through some deal that going to, it's going to go ahead and allow you to be able to graduate when the provost is telling you it's not going to happen or whatever and, and you're going through this thing and then you go oh wait it's right there God opens our eyes and gives us the grace that we need. And, and so it's, the, there's the water. It spares them. It says in verse 19, he opened her eyes. She saw well. She immediately filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness of Paran. And just so you get it, the word Paran, that's the wilderness of Asia, of, of Asia, I almost said. The wilderness of Arabia today. So this is someplace in what would probably be called Saudi Arabia today. And you know what that means is mostly what they eat and drink and shave with is sand. So um, they find water in that place. It says he became an expert archer. Now that doesn't mean that he got into archery contests and this was a hobby. Uh, this would be like saying that the guy was good at designing websites or he became a great architect or a great mechanic. As, as an archer, that's a career. He's able to feed his family. He's, he's a hunter and that's what the Bible's telling us. And his mother arranged a marriage for him with a young woman from Egypt. And what scholars tell us is the, what we know as the Arab nation, all of the Arab peoples are descendants of this guy and this woman that became his wife. And uh, so God blessed Ishmael along with Abraham and Isaac and everybody else in the clan. So here's what are we, I mean, getting out of all this. The first thing is that when you get to get close to God, he's going to get close to you and he's going he's to begin to steer your life and direct you and make certain promises to you. Usually, I think that God is tricky. I mean, I don't know of a better word to say it. It's like, oh, you need this? Well, come get to know me and I'll give you this. And he starts to lay stuff out. And you get sucked in, you know? It's like uh, God starts to answer your prayers and things start to happen. And you start going, I like this. And, and you get closer to God. And then you start to get all kind of fat and sassy and, and happy and everything. You kind of chill out. And then God will lay some really big blessing and say, I'm going to do this for you. And you go, really? And you, and, and you start to walk after him. And, and, and then he deliberately takes his time. Because the more he takes his time, the more you press in and get to know him. And that's what he's really after in the first place. And in the long run, he comes through. Does that make sense? That's what I'd do if I was God. I don't know about you. <laughs> Verse 20, it talks about what I call the blessing being completed. It says, about this time, Abimelech came to, with Phicol, um, his army commander, to visit Abraham. It is clear that God helps you in everything you do. You know the Bible in Romans chapter 8? Verse 28 says that we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose, or those who love Him and are willing to walk in His purposes for their life. If we're willing to walk in God's purpose, then God's going to be on our side. He's going to do all the stuff that we need. He's going to bless us. Acts chapter 2, verse 47 talks about the early church and the Christians, and it says that they were having favor with all of their neighbors. These guys loved the Lord. And their neighbors were looking on and going, give me some of that. And it says people were coming to know God because they were seeing God in the lives of the people. God wants to bless you so much that the people in your family and your neighborhood are going to look around and say, what is that? Give me some of that. I want it. And so this guy Abimelech comes and says, it's clear that God helps you in everything you do. Verse 23, swear to me in God's name that you won't deceive me, my children or my grandchildren. I've been loyal to you. So swear that you'll be loyal to me and to this country in which you are living. Abraham replied, All right, I swear it. Now notice. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well 
that Abimelech's servants had taken violently from Abraham's servants. This is the first I've heard of it, Abimelech said, and I have no idea who's responsible. Why didn't you say something to me about this before? Well, then Abraham gave sheep and oxen to Abimelech, and they made a treaty. And then when Abraham took seven additional ewe lambs, female lambs, set them off by themselves, Abimelech said, why are you doing that? And Abraham said, they are my gift to you as a public confirmation that I dug this well. So ever since, that place has been known as Beersheba, which means the well of oath or the well of the covenant, the well of the transaction. Because of that, because that was where they had sworn an oath. After making their covenant, Abimelech left with Phicol, the commander of his army, returned home to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and he worshipped the Lord, the eternal God, at that place. And Abraham lived in Philistine country for a long time. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. 